Sunday, we had an incredible time, and I do want to thank everybody that celebrated with us as we have served this church. And I want to thank everyone that made it such a wonderful event, and I was so richly blessed by it. But really, the greatest blessing and the greatest gift is what I'm about to give out. And I'm so blessed. We had three baptisms last Sunday. Three water baptized in Jesus' name. I want Sienna to come up here. Amen. Sienna, I want you to come up here. Amen. Praise God. This is your baptism certificate. Amen. Isn't that cool? Did we spell it right? We didn't spell it right. We will get it right, okay? I didn't do that, all right? So uh, I won't tell you who did, but we'll get it right in Jesus' name. But that's for you. Stay up here. And I've got a few more to give. I want Brianna to come up here. Amen. Hallelujah. Give it up for her. And you better read yours too. Make sure that we got that right. Amen. Look at that one. Make sure we spelled that right. If we didn't, don't throw darts at the, at the messenger. Amen. But we'll find somebody to throw darts at. And Adriana, would you come up as well? Amen. Water baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Somebody get your cameras down. Just kind of hold those up. And we're going to take a picture. Kind of do it over here so they can see. There you go. And they won't really zoom in to see that we misspelled your name. Amen. Here we go. Would you give it up for our water baptized? Praise God. Love you girls dearly. Amen. Take that with you and after service we'll correct that for you. Okay. Amen. One more time. Give it up for them. Praise God. Great things are happening here at Abundant Life Center. If you have your Bibles, Genesis chapter 7. Genesis 7, 12 through 16. Matthew 25, verse number 10. I feel like I have a word from the Lord tonight uh, for not just you but for me. I need the word of the Lord. I was actually talking to a gentleman uh, yesterday at my house, and I said 95% of the messages I preach, I preach to me. And I'm always saying preach preacher, amen, because I need this word, amen. Bible says in Genesis chapter 7, verse 12, And the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. In the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Jephthah, the sons of Noah and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with him into the ark. They and every beast after his kind and all the cattle after their kind and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind and every fowl after his kind, every bird of every sort. And they went in unto Noah into the ark two and two of all flesh wherein is the breath of life. And they that went in went in male and female of all flesh as God had commanded him and the Lord shut him in. Matthew chapter 25 verse number 10. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. Say that with me. And the door was shut. That's what I want to talk to you tonight about. God bless you. You may be seated. After 14 years of studying the Bible, William Miller lived 1782 to 1849. He was a United States revivalist who had predicted the second coming 
And he earned a large but temporary following of 50,000 to 100,000 individuals. Became convinced that Christ would return in 1843. When Miller announced April 3rd as the day, some disciples went to mountaintops hoping for a head start to heaven. Others went to graveyards planning to ascend in reunion with the departed loved ones. Philadelphia society ladies clustered together outside of a town to avoid entering God's kingdom amid the common herd. When April 4th dawned, as usual, the Millerites were delusioned, but they took heart. Their leader had predicted a range of dates for Christ's return. They still had until March 21st, 1844. The devout continued to make ready, but again they were disappointed. A third date, October 22nd, 1844 was set, but it also too passed. There have been a lot of people that have tried to predict the coming of the Lord. I remember in 1988, there was a book published, 88 Reasons Why Christ Would Come in 1988, but it did not happen. It has been preached about, it has been sung about, it has been prophesied about. We read about it, we've heard about it, but it has not happened yet. And there are still some that will say, it will never happen. He's been gone way too long. It's just an old wise tale. It's just a myth, just a theory that has been passed down from generation to generation. It is what you would call an urban legend. He will never come is what they proclaim in their calloused hearts. Even a group of religious leaders got together and blatantly very recently expressed it is all a hoax. He really didn't mean what he said when he said he's coming back. Tonight on a Sunday night in Tulare, California, I've come tonight to tell somebody that Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back very soon for we are living in the last days. 2 Timothy 3 verse 1, in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. I realize we have heard about his second coming for a long time and he still hasn't come, but I submit to you that we are closer 
to the coming of the Lord than any generation has ever been before. And we can't give up now. We can't give up hope. He is coming again. And there's no time for us to fool around and play games and play church for we must sound the alarm that Jesus is coming. We must blow the trumpet and sound the message of the Lord loud and clear and that is he is coming soon. God Almighty is coming back and he's coming back soon and we must be ready. We've got to be ready. We've got to make sure that we're ready for his coming, ready for his return. We must awake out of our sleep and wake from our slumber. Arise, Zion. Jesus is coming soon. I wonder tonight, I wonder this evening if there's anybody that truly believes it. Anybody believes that God is coming back for his church. And if we do truly believe that God is coming back, then my question for the hour is this. What are we doing about it? How are we living? How are we acting? Are we truly ready for his return. How is our relationship with God? Is this just something we do on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesdays? Are we just going through the motions of this and just playing church? Or is this real? Are we really changing our old ways of life and clinging to him? Anybody believe that God is coming back? Because if we truly believe that he's coming back, I believe we would pray a little bit more. I believe we would seek the face of God a little bit more if we truly believe that there is coming a day that God is going to sound the trumpet that many of us will understand that he's coming back. And if that's the case, I believe we could do just a little bit more. Would somebody lift up their voice with me? Would somebody connect with heaven? Would somebody say, God, whatever happens, I want to be ready. I want to be ready for your return. I want to be ready God when you come back. I want you to lift your voice in this house tonight. Come on, would you lift your voice in this house tonight? God, we need you like we've never needed you before. We need God to awake up and understand that you're coming back for us. Help us God to be ready. Help us, God, to be ready. I read in the very onset of this message, I read about two separate accounts where the door was shut, once with Noah and the other with the five foolish virgins at midnight when the bridegroom came. I need tonight to somehow let you understand the importance of the door. I need you to understand that there is no other door like it around. This is a door that will separate some and unite others. This is a door that will separate darkness and light. This is a door that will separate evil and embrace good. This is a door that will separate death and unite life. This is a door that separates some and 
can unite others. There is no other door like it around. We've got to understand the importance of the door. For we find that Noah was at the door inviting those to come. You read the book of Genesis and you read about him. After the conclusion of building the ark, Noah began to plead. He began to beg. He began to cry out, challenging men and challenging women that the day to come through the door would be now. But nobody moved. Nobody went forward. They just screamed, Noah, you're a fool. You don't have to do that. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to dress that way. That ark, the church, it's not important. It's never rained, Noah. Come on, Noah. God won't destroy us by water. He loves us, Noah. We serve a God of love, right? He would never destroy this land. He loves us. He accepts us just the way we are. You're crazy, Noah. We have plenty of time. Eat, drink, and be merry with us. But the Bible states in Genesis 7, verse 16, and the Lord shut them in. God shut the door. I could see it in the eyes of Noah as the doors was beginning to shut I could envision as what was taking place, no doubt as a pastor's heart, as tears began to flow from his face to make his final plea, begging them, pleading with them, just come to the ark of safety. And yet to no avail, nobody came, nobody moved, and nobody entered into the ark. And in verse 21 through 23, the Bible records, And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both fowl and of cattle and of beasts and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life, of all that was in the dry land died, and every living substance was destroyed, both man and cattle and the creeping things and the fowl of the heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth and Noah only remained alive and they that were with him were in the ark all because the door was shut a door that was once open to all yet now was sealed shut a door that was once available now no longer had access in and out but the door shut and they screamed, Noah, we believe you now. We understand it now. And they began to knock on the outside of that ark saying, please, Noah, let us in. But he couldn't even budge that door because God shut that door. In Matthew chapter 25, 10, we find a very familiar story, an account of five foolish Virgins. That's what the Bible classifies them. Five wise and five foolish. And what was the command for them? The command was uh, that they had to be ready for the bridegroom's return. He told them, I will come again. Be ready. He didn't say when. He didn't say the hour. He didn't say the day. He just said, I'm going to come back. And I need you to be ready. 
And in verse 10, the Bible states of Matthew 27, And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. There's that word again. The door was shut. Can you imagine with me? All of their lives, they knew that this day would come. All of their lives, they knew that they had to be ready. All of their lives, they lived for God. All of their lives, they went to church. All of their lives, they went to all the events that the church put on. And yet in this one instance, when the bridegroom called, we find in horror that they had no oil in their vessels. We find them when the bridegroom called that they were not ready. And the Bible said immediately, fear and anxiety began to kick in. And the Bible states that they began to run with all of their might to find oil at the marketplace. Could you imagine that setting with me? They no longer cared about how they looked. They no longer cared about what others say about them. They no longer cared about how they looked and how they dressed. Before they did. Before they just came to church and looked the part and and did the right things and clapped when everybody clapped and jumped when everybody jumped. It was just a ritual. It was just a routine. It was just tradition. It was something we just do on services. But it never got in the inside of their heart to make sure that they were ready because all they did it was just to be showed of men, make others feel good about it. Well, I, I don't believe I have to do that. I don't believe I have to stop doing that. I don't believe I got to dress that way and and act that way. When we get in front of God and God begins to open up that book of life and he begins to come down and talk to you, can I just give you a 411? There'll be no excuses then. Well, you know, they they said I didn't have to do that. They said I didn't have to, you know, come every service. They said I didn't have to be fully committed. Well, I hope they are not the reasons you don't make it in. Because when you stand before God, and he opens up that book. You say, Pastor, why are you preaching this way? It's, it's a Sunday night. We, we should be shouting. We should be running. We should be happy tonight. But I wish I could tonight. But I understand that God is coming back so soon. And woe be unto this preacher if I just tickle your ears and pat you on a back. But I can't do that tonight. I've got to sound the alarm to somebody. Anybody that will hear, God is coming back and we've got to be ready. (laughs) 
imagine with me. These five foolish that live for God all their lives yet. In one instance, they just fell asleep. And I preached a message a few months ago of, uh, of, of the, the wise. And I preached it, Brother Rudy, on how wise were the wise. Because you would think if the wise were really wise, they would have had extra oil. Because I don't want to, Brother, Brother Garcia, I don't want to go to heaven by myself. I've got family that need this. I've got friends that need this. And I've got to stock up on the oil, not for me to hoard it into myself. But Brother Archie, there's coming a day. We've talked about it this morning. Four of our heroes of faith are no longer here. And there is coming a day, God help us, where we'll be united with our loved ones that have gone on. The heroes of faith. But I want to make sure and I've got extra oil, Sister Philpot, because I, I want family to come with me. I want friends to come with me. I want every church member to come with me. I've got to have enough oil with me. Somehow, those wise didn't have enough oil. So I don't know if they were really wise or not, but I knew the foolish asked the wise, can I have some oil? And they said, I'm sorry, but I don't have enough. I've got to get to the door. And can I tell you, and just pause right there, that's the greatest thing they've ever said. Because some of you have got to break off some things in your life. Bible says lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset you. You've got to make up your mind. I love my family and I love my friends, but I will not allow them to take me to hell. I'm going to make up my mind. I'm going to be fully committed to this thing. I'm going to be fully invested in this thing. If I'm the only one praying, if I'm the only one worshiping, if I'm the only one living for God, then so be it because I want it. The Bible says the violent taketh it by force and some of you have got to become violent. God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, God. Oh, would you lift up your voice in this house today? I want to be ready. Come on, lift up your voice in this house today. Come on, there's a door that's opened in the spirit right now for somebody that'll say, God, I'm coming home. Take this whole world, but just give me Jesus. There's nothing in this world worth losing my soul over. What should it profit a man if he gains the whole world and lose his own soul? Brother Ray, the five foolish virgins, 
they ran and they got the oil. I don't know where they got it, but they got the oil that they needed. And they're running as fast as they can and they come to the door. And the Bible said, they begin to knock. They begin to say, Master, I've got the oil now. Master, please let us in. We've got it now. You remember me. I prayed on Sunday. I was baptized in this baptismal tank. I went to experience. I went to revival. And God got a hold of me. You remember me, God. I sang in the choir. I played an instrument. I even preached behind a pulpit. Your message, God. Remember me. But their reply was, I don't know you. You can't come in because I don't know you. Why? Because that door was shut. That opportunity they had to make things right, to lay down the cares of the world. The door that allowed him access to God no longer was available. That's why he said, Watch ye therefore and be ready for you know not the day or the hour that the Son of Man is coming. Can I say it again without sounding redundant? God is coming back. God is coming soon and we've got to be ready. seen too many people in a Holy Ghost service like this sit there Brother Reuben clueless to the wooing of the presence of God because Brother Del Toro they're saying I'll do it next Sunday night I'll do it next revival I'll do it when Brother Winslow's here I'll do it when we have a great evangelist. It's just Sunday night. It's just pastor preaching. I'll just do it another time. But I believe the Bible says now is the day of salvation. Now is the hour to draw close to him. God, more than anything in this world, more than money, more than riches, more than fame, I want you. Take my home, take my cars. I just want you, God. The door 
the door. The door. The opportunity that I had to make things right. I remember how many months ago it was or years or whatever that is. But I remember talking about the horrors of hell. And the biggest horror of hell is right here. It's this memory. It's this memory bank. Because this memory bank will remind you of lost opportunities, of lost chances, of the doors you could have entered. I remember Sister Del Toro. I counsel with many people in my office and thank God if I've ever counseled you and if I've ever said things that maybe have hurt your feelings I did not say that to hurt your feelings I did not say that to be a dictator but I've tried my best to watch for your soul and help you along a long life's journey I've helped tried to help give you words to live by and I don't remember a lot of stuff that goes on thank God for that but I do remember this one incident I had this individual come into my office. This individual was telling me about the things they were battling. And I said, I know why you're battling it. And I called it out. I said, you've got to take care of this. And the power of God fell in my office. Brother Viscara, if I ever felt God, I felt it there. We begin to pray. They begin to shed tears. And I begin to say, yes, we've got it. We've made the turn. They walked into that door, that opportunity they had. But to find moments later a post that will ever haunt me. And that post was, is there a church that'll accept us the way we are? Is there a place that will pat us on the back and tell us we're doing a good job? Jesus loves you. Don't worry about this and all the defilement onto your body. I'm going to tell you that memory that memory that the rich man had when he began to lift up his voice and say, Abraham, would you send Lazarus that he may dip his finger in water to cool my tongue? And Abraham said, I can't do that. He said, could you send a preacher? Could you send a prophet to my family and tell them how to live? Tell them to change their ways. And Abraham said, there's no way. Because you didn't listen. They won't listen. What we've got to do, we, I, I, I want everybody, listen, listen to pastor, I want everybody to be saved. I want everybody that comes to a bundle life center, I want everybody to go to heaven. 
everybody understand that not everybody is going to go to heaven. Not everybody is sitting on this pew that really wants to live for God. I understand that. And I can only pastor those that will allow me to pastor them and that will allow me to speak into their lives. But if there's anybody under the sound of my voice, if there's anybody that hears pastor, I just want to sound the alarm. God is coming back. He's coming back soon. And we've got to be ready. Oh, would you lift your voice in this house? Would you lift your voice in this house? Come on, lay down some things that don't belong in your life. Take away things that are derailing your relationship with God. Come on, let a cry go forth. Come on, pastors pleading, pastors begging, if there's anybody, anybody coming to this ark, anybody come to this altar and say, God, search my heart, search my spirit, oh God. I want to be ready. Let the oil of the Holy Ghost, let it saturate me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel God talk. I feel like God's talking to somebody. I feel like God is reaching for somebody. I'm not preaching to scare you. I'm just preaching to tell you God is coming back. There's a door. There's a door opening tonight. Shara, he caraso. He arrayandayaki. He arraso. Tayarayandayako. Come on, lift your voice tonight. Feel that oil up. Ah, ah, he called, he Ah, come on. Oh, God, search my heart, search the cracks and crevices. I want to please you. Let your blood run through my veins. Bring back that servant spirit. Bring back that spirit, God, of sowing into your kingdom. I don't need recognition. I don't need accolades. I just want to please you, God. Come on. 
Come on, you're the only Jesus your family will ever see. You're the only Jesus your friends will ever see. And you gotta get enough oil to spread it around. Shall I He Help this pastor, God. Help this pastor. Oh, I want to please you. I want to please you, God. your hand on somebody let's get this together find somebody let us link up with one another oh God we want to be ready we want more of you God Sharakaya raso Taya
message like this should never scare us but it should challenge us to take a appraisal survey of our lives to find out how we're really living because we have to live this Not just here, but out there. If we only live it here and not there, we become Pharisees and scribes, hypocrites all. But we've got to make this a lifestyle. I thank God Friday night we had a wonderful move of God. And this is what services like this should do. Friday night after service, everybody was gone. We had a few people go to the upper room and start praying. Two, four, five, I don't know how many people were up there. They prayed for a while. We've got to learn to get back to the old-fashioned method of praying. Someone gave the acronym to push. Pray until something happens. That spirit of prayer that got a hold of Jacob that said, I will not let you go until you bless me. I'm not leaving until I'm changed. And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord touched his thigh, the hollow of his thigh. And he walked with a limp from that day forward. When you've been in contact with God, 
people will know that there's something different about you. And a message like this should challenge us to be ready for His return and to do our best to talk about the Lord everywhere we go. If our co-workers, our neighbors, our world can talk about their gods of alcohol, drugs, and partying, why can't we talk about Jesus? You know what we did last Sunday night? <laughs> we had a Holy Ghost party. God healed my body. He healed my friend. You start publishing this. And then all of a sudden it will become like the book of Acts. And it was noised abroad that Jesus was in the house. People come to a fire. We just need, Brother Rudy, fire starters. Fire igniters. That'll say, hey, I'm going to be ready. Put me into the game, coach. I'm ready to play. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy and your love. I'm praying, God, that you would touch your children tonight and they take this word of God home with them and let them live this life and let them be ready and let them be witnesses to this world that you're coming back soon. In Jesus' name, we love you. Amen. Stay here as long as you like. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Find two or three people. Love on somebody. God bless you.